Hey, welcome to Not to Oscars, a podcast about criminally underrated performances in modern cinema getting the recognition they deserve. Uh, each week, one host nominates a performance for the illustrious Vincent D'Onofrio Award. Uh, it's an award of our own creation, birthed from our mutual love for Vincent D'Onofrio's impeccable performance of Edgar the Bug in Men in Black. I'm Josh, and as always, we're joined by uh, Erica and Anthony. Uh, so what's going on? How are you guys doing? I'm pretty good. Um, I know we talked about this a little bit already today, but I had some homemade Dunkaroos as a snack today, so I've peaked. My God, Dunkaroos. Do they still make those? They're coming back for real this year, too. No way. Yeah, they're coming back, like, for real. Are they going to have the same artwork? Same artwork, same everything. Assuming that, like, you know, the pandemic hasn't slowed down everything, like, production or whatever, but... No, earlier this year, like they, it's it's wild. They had a, a tweet that went viral like years ago at this point that was like, if you get five hundred thousand retweets on this, then we'll bring Dunkaroos back, and they hit it of like three years did. later. So because of that, they're gonna release them this year. I think they said in the summer. So that'll be something to look forward to once the last dance is over with and we don't have anything to watch on TV anymore. We can all get excited for Dunkaroos to come back. That is something to look forward to. You know, I feel like there's going to be like little markers for like the history of uh, coronavirus where like obviously Tiger King was a milestone in there, all those things. Is Dunkaroos going to be the milestone that marks the end of coronavirus? I think it's going to be the thing that happens that we had to look forward to at one point in the summer. Um, and then we're gonna have to just keep going yeah it's like they canceled Lollapalooza but at least we have Dunkaroos yeah I don't know why I use Lollapalooza as an example as I have never attended (laughs) I don't know who is going nobody might ever attend I'm too old to go now and I was too poor when I was young enough to go you know, the only time I ever wanted to go to Lollapalooza was, like, way before I moved to Chicago when it was bands that I legitimately cared about. You know, I, th- I saw a thing on Twitter the other day that was, like, what's the, 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 the tweet that's in your... Not the tweet. What's the photo that's in your camera roll that feels illegal, but, like, it has to be, like, the most recent thing? And somebody had a photo from a Tame Impala concert at the very beginning of March, and it looked terrifying. There were 18,000 people there. Oh my god. Have you guys been having this experience when you watch movies or TV when people are in a crowded place where you're just like, no, why are there so many people out on the beach? And it's like, oh, oh this was yes. filmed in the year 2002. <laughs> that, yes. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, y'all got to get six feet apart. You know, that that happened to me uh, like in late March. I I started watch. I watched a couple episodes of season three of Stranger Things. There's one, and I think in the first episode, it's them at the mall. Because the mall is, like, the mm-hmm. new thing in yeah. town. So it's filled to the brim with, like, kids and adults and stuff. But I was just watching that scene, and I just started, like, breathing really hard. I was like, look at all these fucking people touching each other. And they're so close to each other. It made me so nervous. I feel like I'm about to be socially distancing for the rest of my life. Like, <laughs> I don't want to be close to anybody. Seriously. Um... Well, should we uh, should we get to it? Should we talk about yeah. a movie that has a lot of lack of social distancing in it? 
It's true. I think that you should go ahead and kick uh, us off. This okay. This is your week. So uh, for our first-time listeners, uh, one of us is perf- has a uh, performance they've chosen to nominate uh, this week, uh, while the other two of us will score their arguments to determine if this said performance does indeed reserve, uh, it does indeed receive the Vincent D'Onofrio Award. All right, so what do you what do you got prepared for us? Okay, so for your consideration, okay. um, I would like to nominate uh, Steve Zahn um, for the role of Lenny. And I, I think if we're handing out a Best Supporting Actor, Vincent D'Onofrio, this is a good runner for it. In the film from 1996, That Thing You Do. Okay. Can you remind me which one is Lenny? <laughs> oh boy, Anthony, you were right. Um, <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> uh, he is the backup guitarist. Also, how do you not know who Steve Zahn is? <laughs> okay, also that. My thought would be that if you just watched the movie, then yeah, you'd have like a little bit, just like a tad bit. Of an inkling as to who Steve Zahn was. But also, like, you've never heard of Steve Zahn before now? Like, that was, like, the first time you'd seen him in a flick? I've Okay, so now that I know the role, thank you for the clarification. Yeah, I know who we're talking about, but no, like, I uh, I, I hadn't really, I don't know, that, that it doesn't really register that much for me. Oh, wow. Okay, I'm going to have my work cut out for me today, then. Um, I also want to have like a larger conversation because Steve Zahn has been in like every. You never seen Sahara, Employee of the Month. Nope. Uh, uh gosh, what the hell else is Saving Steve? Silverman? He's been in... Yeah, Saving Silverman. Oh my God, you're right. But you know what? Uh, this might be my undoing then because I'm not super familiar with them. So. You're oh, gonna man. be guiding me through this one, and why don't we just uh, why don't you why don't you lead us off with a brief synopsis of the film? So this movie um, encompasses the story of the Wonders. Um, it takes place in the '60s, and it's about this small town band from Erie, Pennsylvania. Um, that basically they record an album um, that has this one really catchy track on it. Um, called That Thing You Do, they're discovered, and um, it basically uh, covers two months of stardom in the history of this band. The band is composed of four members, um, the lead singer, Jimmy, who's kind of like your typical front man, um, you know, like really over over serious and over proud and honest, frankly, kind of a dick, which you realize by the end of the movie. And um, Tom Everett Scott plays kind of the hero of the movie. Um, He plays the drummer. And (laughs) Ethan Embry, God bless him. I love him. I... He's such a, like, also a good 90s actor that just shows up and shit. Um, plays the bass player. Actually doesn't have a real name. He's credited as the bass player. He doesn't, he's never actually referred to by name to, like, that montage at the very end where it's like, the where are they now? Yeah. Um, and the fourth member of the band is Steve Zahn, who plays the second guitar. His character's name is Lenny. And he's sort of the comic relief. And so this it's kind of like a Beatles-esque story. Um, it's directed and produced by and also has a part played by Tom Hanks and featuring uh, at least three members of the Hanks family. Um, I don't think Chet was in this one, Anthony, unfortunately. Damn it. But one of his daughters is in it. Um, Rita Wilson plays a memorable part, and Colin Hanks 
walks Liv Tyler up the steps um, when they're going into the TV show. He has a small non-speaking part. Um, I was really hoping you were going to say Chad Hanks was in this. If Shaba Hanks was in this, I'd be so excited. <laughs> I know. That would really just like check off all your criteria for a movie. I think the other wild thing about this movie is, is how many big stars have bit parts in this. Um Charlize Theron is a really small part. Brian Cranston's in this for like less than 30 seconds. (laughs) Like five Um, seconds. There's a Kevin Pollack cameo. Uh, So there's there's a lot of like solid actors that just show up throughout this movie. Yeah, I get the feeling that this was like, almost seems like a vanity project for like Tom Hanks. Because it's like... For sure. It's like, this is something that I like have daydreamed about, like being the manager for the Beatles and being the key factor in their ascension to fame yeah this movie is yeah it's like he just kind of called in a bunch of random favors um for (laughs) folks to show up in this movie um okay so our first our first category age like a fine wine held up over time so i I, this movie was like a childhood sleepover movie we would basically alternate between this and greece on repeat for me, as an adult watching this movie, and I have watched it a lot recently, including um, a few weeks ago when Adam Schlesinger, who wrote the song, passed away. I think about Steve Zahn a lot in this movie because he has a really tough job to do in that he's not the good-looking guy. He is a really big goofball in a lot of movies that he plays, and he has to play the role, this role of kind of like a little bit of an idiot. Um, also, the comic relief, you he's put in the scenes with a lot of different people. Um, and I feel like a lot of these movies um, from this time period were directed and these actors were directed in a specific way to, to be this particular type of goof, which really, I feel like, turns me off so much when I watch it as an adult, where it's just like uh, the, the jokes are at the expense of other people. Um, and this has partially to do with the writing too, right? But like the jokes are at the expense of other people. The comedy is meant to be played like really, really big for laughs. Um, and I think this performance is understated in a lot of ways for being like the quote unquote class clown piece of the movie. Um, and so for me, that that actually kind of does hold up. Um, there's a few bits in this movie that have really questionable jokes and I feel like Steve Zahn has maybe managed to avoid that kind of a, a caricature performance. All right, what's our what's our second category? All right, singular sensation. No one else could have done this. Well, yeah, I'm sure a lot of people probably were considered for this role and in 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 its set in essence, it is a relatively a smaller part. Um, it's also a really meaty part in that he really does play that balancing act um, between um, being, again, that like kind of like class clown kind of a character and also being a guy that's like say the yes man. Like he's the one that is like, yeah, let's play the song faster. Yes, um, I'm going to jump on board with this. But also um, you kind of watch his... <laughs> his like gambling addictions start really early in the movie and you watch you kind of like watch that trail through like he's he's playing go fish in one scene and then by the end of the movie he's a casino owner um and i do again like as i was saying in the first category i think it's a tough a tough line to walk in that you do run the risk of 
plan. So we were talking about Saving Silverman. Um, you know, that's like a goofy, goofy movie. And I feel like Jack Black is a similar kind of a type that maybe could have been considered for this, right? But that would have been like a really over-the-top performance. And I really like how he has a lot of throwaway lines and a lot of comedy that he does just with his face while still also um, looking like a, like a good-looking like fresh-faced young dude that could be in this Beatles wannabe band. Okay. All right, well said. All right. Uh, so transformation and exploration. I feel like this is a little bit more of, like I said, where he's not as Steve Zani is in the understatedness of this performance, um, but he still has a lot of fun with it. So when he's when they're playing the um, the band at the the beach shack, um, where he's like rocking around on stage <laughs> with the the saxophone that he can't actually play, um, where he's um playing like i was mentioning go fish with those kind of like two older men in the bar uh he's hitting on women he's uh crying at the chapel when he gets married to the the woman that works the desk at playtone i feel like he works a lot of the jokes based on his stature and his physical appearance so like he is a smaller dude he kind of is able to get away a little bit with playing that some of that for comedy right so like he's always talking to these women that are taller than him and i genuinely like like know who this guy is in a way that is not this he's not flippant genuinely believes he's the he is the funniest dude out there and he's going to use that to his advantage because he knows the that guy and jimmy are better looking than he is but he's like hey i'm a hell of a musician i believe in this band i'm along for the ride i feel like he's so committed to being that person that i'm willing to be like yeah okay like i i know who this guy is okay Okay. Um, okay, so chicken salad out of chicken shit. I don't think that this is the worst script in the world, but this script certainly isn't being um, nominated for Oscars anytime soon. We were joking about this in one of our early weeks where sometimes when I watch a bad movie, I just repeat the lines out loud to see if I could get them to sound normal. Um, and I feel like there's a lot of bits in this, um, particularly where he's playing off of people like Tom Hanks, where he really could get lost in the shuffle, and he really holds his own. Um, I think he's probably paired in this movie with more random partners in a scene than any other character. So he functions really well within the group dynamic. He functions really well sitting next to Tom Hanks um, on the plane, just like clanging that mint against his teeth. He functions really well um, with just the random people in the bars that they're they're interacting with. Um and so, like, he's able to just, like, pull those little nuggets that maybe were weren't written into the script, um, make it his own, and just run with it um, in a way that is delightful. All okay. right. Final one. Fifth category. Okay. Body of Proof. Um, so this movie actually happened really early on in his career. Um, so instead of saying that this is, like, an unexpected thing in his career, um, I want to make the case that this is a really stellar performance that he then built upon this type of a character to make a career out of. Um, so like a lot of these roles, these kind of like goofy, almost forgettable, but really like you're chuckling about throwaway lines hours later. Um, I feel like these this movie was really building blocks for him. 
um, to then transform into things um, that he's done along the way. He's done a lot of voice acting also, which is kind of cool. He's He's been on all sorts of things. He was on Friends. Um, he was... Um, he was also in the object of my affection. He's he's appeared in other Tom Hanks films such as You've Got Mail. He was in a million different um comedies in the nineties. He's in that Ethan Hawke version of Hamlet. He plays Rosencrantz in that. Oh, so shit. I feel like everything he's done has just been an evol uh, an evolution from this. And he's also someone that's just continued to have a career. Whereas I also feel like a lot of those guys from the nineties that kind of like played the funny dude part. Um, just kind of did that. Even, like, guys like Freddie Prince Jr., right, who played, like, the the good-looking, like, lead, just kind of, like, petered off after a while and instead of making a career out of this stuff. And it's 2020, and Steve Sound's still acting. Okay. All right. That's a really good argument. So I leave you with that. Well argued. I, I would have to say uh, I am probably going to add some bonus points just for uh, arguing your own points a thousand times better than I argued my own. <laughs> Well, you went first. <laughs> hey, hey, like yeah, we're I getting the kinks out, man. That's uh, true. That's true. But uh, well argued. Well argued. That was good. Uh, I think before we start, one thing I was surprised that you chose Steve Zahn as as the person that you wanted to nominate. Not because I didn't think that he was good. Like I actually like did really enjoy him in it. I thought you were gonna pick Tom Hanks. Mm. Because this is the first time that I've ever watched a movie with Tom Hanks, and I'm like, I don't like Tom Hanks. Not like the acting, but like I don't like his character, and I think that he's just like a really mean person, and he doesn't really do a lot of things in it that feel like the warm, precious, nice American sweetheart Tom Hanks. Yeah. Yeah. I I, um, I, I kind of thought that too. I also thought for some reason like you were gonna go totally out of come out of left field and like nominate the song from the movie because this song is a fucking banger. Okay, the song slap. There's the song slaps and there's no denying it. So I feel like it would have been a waste of an argument because I think we can all agree to that. <laughs> oh my god, I wasn't sure because and they was like, play oh it so god. many times, so like you just get like it gets stuck in your head. I think. I mean, that's part of, like, the beauty of you. So Adam Schlesinger um, just passed away at the beginning of April as a result of COVID-19. And he has had a prolific career. Um, and this song is an incredible piece of it because it is so hard to, I think, to write a song for a movie like this that, yeah. you know, like, where it's, like, supposed to be a chart topper, right? Um and pop songs are also are also difficult, I think. Um, so I think it's that's impressive in and of itself. Um, I did think about it, but then I was like, eh. All right. Well, now we're coming to the scoring portion to actually determine whether or not uh, this performance does indeed receive the. Do you Vincent guys have Tenacio any other award. comments or things you want to question? Or well, I did have. I actually did have a couple of questions. Uh, one, why? When you, we first, like, you know, like, assigned, like, the year and everything, did you know, like, off jump that this is what you wanted to choose? Okay, so as yeah, we talked question. about last week, there are so many movies from this era, um, and I was trying to pick one that was a little bit more under the radar than, like, a blockbuster smash. Um, so that's why that's I wound up going with this. I really mm. did almost pick The Craft, um, but I really didn't want to do two witch movies back-to-back. And then I thought about doing mm. First Wives Club, but then I didn't want to do two Bette Midler movies back-to-back. Um, <laughs> no. Man, I just... What are the odds that you have that issue when you're looking at two yeah, different movies? I, you're like, uh... Erica, Erica, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to paint you into a corner. 
I was also surprised you didn't go with Tom Everett Scott. Not because, again, like Steve Zahn wasn't great in this, but uh, I had to look up like every, like other things that Tom Everett Scott had done, and I wasn't familiar with him like at all. And this is like his first like major movie, so it would have been like, yeah, I thought that was like interesting. It was an interesting choice for that reason. Yeah, um, have I was you surprised. seen? Have you not seen Dead Man on Campus? Nope. Uh, is that the one about the? The, the the roommates in college who like the roommate dies and like yeah am i making this up yes and like they um, try to get like straight a's because it's like if you if your roommate dies then like you get straight a's for, like the semester so for the year or something the premise is that they find out they they someone someone's roommate passes away and they get straight a's for the semester mark paul gossler is also in the movie and um the premise is they're trying to find a roommate who is um on the verge of committing suicide so that Whoa. they can, Yikes. yeah, it's a super dark, super dark comedy. Um, but he's also excellent in that. Those are like my two main things. Um, Josh, if you're ready to get into these categories, yeah, uh, let's get into it. So uh, now we're going to determine whether or not uh, this uh, this movie is uh, is to receive the Vincent D'Onofrio Award. Anthony and I will score each category on a scale of zero to ten. And then depending on those scores out of 100, uh, we will determine whether or not it actually uh, receives the award. Anthony, do you want to kick us off with uh, your response to Aged Like a Fine Wine? Sure thing. So Aged Like a Fine Wine, you know, the idea like, you know, this movie is held up and that it's something that we definitely remember. While it's not one that I necessarily remember for just because this was actually the first time that I'd ever watched the movie, I knew that it exists. Um and I will agree that his character and like you know like a lot of like the tropes and everything there they do fit like they don't they don't really like you know feel stale. It's not something like as I was watching it, I was like this feels dated. Granted, like it's like a period piece technically, but still like it it, it held up enough that I can say that like this is definitely a notch on his like you know resume that like he clouds like not just because that Tom Hanks directed it, but it's early enough in his career. It is, like, you know, like, a very, like, you know, different role from what he's done. Um, I'm willing to let that ride. For score, I would give this one um, a 7. Only because my favorite Steve Zahn roles that, like, you know, have come, like, either later on or, like, slightly after this one, I feel like those shine a little bit more. But for this, I'd give this a 7. So, aged like a fine wine, uh, you know, walking into this movie for the first time, I think it's a, a wonderful 50s nostalgia piece that is, that feels very, like, kind of let's tell the story of the Beatles, but keep it kind of, like, nice and light and not too heavy of stakes and not get into much of the nitty-gritty. And seeing him in this role, which, you know, is very modeled after kind of the archetypes that we all have in the Beatles, I thought he did a great fucking job. Like, he, I think you're you were right, Erica, in that he's taking a role that is kind of a little bit more on the back burner, even though he's in the main cast, and he's um, adding a lot of nuance to it that might go overlooked because it feels kind of archetypal already, but he's building those paintbrush strokes in himself. So I've given this, I'm giving Age Like a Fine Wine an eight because, again, I... I'm not really familiar with this area of film work as it is. So to me, it just seems like, yeah, it's aged well. Uh, you know, the role that he did, like, did great. Uh, so, yeah, I give that one an eight. 
Okay. Wow, thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now moving to the second, the singular sensation. This is where I'm gonna I'm gonna differ a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't think that he's the only person that could have played the role. I think that he did it well, and that he doesn't play it too dumb. Of like you know like Joey Tribbiani like by like season five of Friends, where it's like how do you even put a shirt on in the morning and like <laughs> go outside of your house? Um, he actually just is really funny in what he does with the script, which I'll reflect later on. But as far as him being the only person that could have done it, I'm not sure. I'm not sold on that one. Josh, what do you think? Uh, I'm 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 kind of in the same boat. You know, I, I'm looking at the script and kind of what is asked for the actor. Uh, I think he, like, if I was a casting director, I would probably cast him first. But I feel like I would I would still know who my second, third, and fourth picks were, even though I can't name them right off the top of my head, which doesn't really help my point. Uh, I'm kind of in the same field. What do you what do you give it in a score? I'm gonna give that one a five. I'm gonna give this one a six. All right. So moving into transformation, exploration, physically and vocally committed to the point where you forget that they are that person when they're playing the role. Now Josh has already admitted that. And that he didn't even realize it was Steve's on when he watched it. But. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so, you know what? I don't even need to say anything. I have a question, Erica. Uh, yeah. Let me know if you know this. Do they actually sing in this? Like, is that actually his voice? Um, I believe it is them, yes. I would be shocked if it wasn't. Okay. That changes things a little bit. Because at the time, I was thinking, like, oh, like they're just, like, you know, lip syncing. And, like, you know, like, obviously he's not playing the guitar. Though if he is, like, good lord, that's really dope. Hold on, I'm looking at that. That really is something I should have, I should have looked at. Uh, I'm going to be, I'm going to be upset if he doesn't because I was so sold. I will be too because now I'm thinking about it. You know what? Like, that would be really dope if they did. I, I, but, like, when, when they're doing the first, when they sing it the first time, like, how could they sync up, like, you know, some other audio to him literally leaning into the mic and doing it for the first time. It was so raw. Like, I would I would be upset if it wasn't him. Erica, what we got? They, it says they, the four actors playing the Wonders rehearsed as a band for eight weeks to get the feel of performing, but most of the performances in the film um, were dubbed by other musicians. And the song also, like, had, like, a half-life afterwards, too, right? Like, people were, like actually like i get charted i'm pretty sure right yeah so it's like i said um written by adam adam schlesinger um who was the bassist for fountains of wayne like he wrote that song i believe it was a competition um and he he submitted it and he was he was chosen um so the song was written for the film um and tom hanks actually wrote the script while on the promotional tour for forrest gump could you imagine being that talented that you're like yeah i'm about to win an oscar but i'm bored Josh, what do you think? So transformation, exploration. You know, for this, it, you, you know, it's, I, I know that, uh, you know, Erica, you talked a lot about him kind of building into the role where he's, you know, he because of his stature, because of kind of his vocal performance and those kind of things, he kind of worked those lines to kind of make them feel more elevated and more like something more when, uh, you know, maybe he, it was very reliant on the script, but I couldn't help feel like 
like a lot of the uh like a lot i i may i mean this is just me seeing it for the first time but a lot of the uh the performances in here were very reliant on the script in that you know because it is a little archaic it's stylized it's set in the 50s um 60s 60s that's what i meant that's what i meant that's what i meant it's uh i did my homework i know how to tell an arrow when i see it uh but uh i wasn't i just seeing this as his only piece of work that i could really think of at the time uh i wasn't totally bought that it was a totally transformative role but i was totally sold about kind of all the skills that he brought to the table with the singing and um you, you know kind of his vocal performances uh in all of those and the transformation yeah and the the through line of him kind of becoming the gambler he handled that really well um yeah what do you what do you think anthony i think similar it's like yeah it's it's not a full transformation but he's not doing a bad job and then part of me is like all right but if he performed a song like i'm willing to give him an extra point i think the difference is just like uh i i saw it and i see steve's on still like that's the first thing that i saw and I can still see some of the other things. And it might be because, like, it's early enough in his career. And I'm like, I know what you've done later. That I'm like, I can't give you the full... I can't give you everything that I want to on this. Though I respect it, if that makes sense. Uh, it does. I also have to, I have to tell you guys something. Um, yeah. Yes. So, Mike Viola from the band The Candy Butchers actually does sing the lead on this track. Um, that's according to the internet. So in the recorded version that you hear, it's not Jimmy singing. Um, but I do think it takes a lot of effort to be... They basically, uh, according to the internet, Tom Hanks um, made the <laughs> band members all learn all the chords and everything on their instruments, even though it wasn't going to be them, um, their music actually playing. He wanted it to look authentic. Um, hmm. So they learned it as if they were a band um, and they were cast, though, as actors. I will give it a six my thought was five i'll give it the extra point for the commitment to performance uh i <laughs> i'm not trying to give one more point than anthony on all of the the but, grading that he gives <laughs> but i i i'm giving it a seven in that uh i was originally giving it a six and then seven for really the the sheer commitment and ability to kind of keep up with all the musical uh, things that you, he, he needed to kind of show up with in this, in this one. All right, now here's where things I'm going to turn around a little bit. The chicken salad and the chicken chip. I don't think the script is bad, but I will agree that, like, it's not like you read it and you're like, ah, or, like, you, you see it and you're like, oh, this deserves every award and, like, you know, it's really good. But I do think that he does the thing where, like, he makes it really his own and he makes it work. It's like the thing where, like, you, like, you, you hear somebody, like, give, like, a line read, and then you try to kind of do it yourself and you're like, nah, I wouldn't have landed on that. Like, I won't come up with it. Specific moments that I think of are um, when he's talking about the title of the band and it's like the Wonders. He's like, no, it's the uh, the Oneaters. And he keeps mm -hmm. saying it like over and over again. And then later on, like he like has like a joke where he's like, uh, I forgot what he says. He's like, we're not the Oneaters. He's like, we're like the Onetters, like something else, like playing off of it. He does like a really good job of just like making the not obvious choice with a script that could easily allow for that, and I thought that was fun. I'll give that an eight. Yeah, I'm I'm in a similar boat. Uh, 
Yeah, I actually kind of liked the script. I think it was what it meant to be. Uh, kind of what, you, you know, when you think about, like, what is a movie set out to tell the story of, I think the script supported that really well. Um, but he did... Like, I'm just thinking about, like, his... <laughs> in the later parts of the movie when he's decide when he's like trying to get money out of everybody like when they're in the dressing room and there's something like else happening in the room that's really fucking important and he's just like man who's gonna spot me like a, an extra 200 bucks and it's like i i believed all the layers of kind of why he wanted to run away why he wasn't listening kind of built into why uh he kind of acted the way they did in the first part of the movie that i uh was like damn he really he really did to kind of like make more out of something than what was probably there so i also give it an eight uh because i was really uh even not knowing what person you were going to bring to the table i was like okay he's really showing up with these lines i like that one of my favorite lines in the film is when they're doing the interview um on they're on the radio and they're being asked by the dj their favorite their influences and um, he says, like, the name of the shrimp shack, shrimp shack band that they were they were playing in that movie where none of them were actually playing their instruments, which I guess is actually a little meta if you think about it. Um, and Tom Hanks just shoots him this look and he just shrugs his shoulders. And that's one of my favorite little bits in the movie. Yeah, that's a good one. And then Body of Proof is our last thing. I will say that, like, while I haven't been giving like high grades kind of across the board, this one you almost have to because of the fact of you look at Steve Zahn's career and if you didn't know that this exists, it's one of the most surprising things that does exist. The fact that he did a movie that was Tom Hanks's directorial debut. It was one of his earliest movies. It's unexpected as hell if you're not if you don't know that it exists. And it's also very different than what he's done elsewhere in his career. Josh, I know you're a huge Steve Zahn fan. What oh my god. That? You know what? I <laughs> You know what? I'm <laughs> I'm scoring this based off of really just how well Erica argued it. <laughs> and, uh because it it's like I I don't fucking know. <laughs> I don't fucking know what I'm getting into. I don't know his other work. I mean, I remembered somewhat after a while, but damn like his this starting as like the building box for his career like i i kind of got to take your word for it in that i've seen some of the movies we're talking about but uh i don't know it seems like anthony can back it up so i'm giving it a solid eight because uh i don't know enough to give it a nine or a ten but damn if it wasn't argued for i plan to give it an eight i'm gonna stick with the eight because it's not something that i expected to see him in when he first popped up and he sold it and when you look at everything else that he's done, it's like, wow, you did this random. You did basically Tom Hanks' version of Jersey Boys, and I didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'll give it the eight. Erica, uh, can you add together the points and tell us uh, what score you, you had out of all of those? Yes, I can. So um, I, Anthony, I have 34 points from Anthony and 37 points from Josh, um, which get, okay. brings me just scraping by this week um, to a passing score of 71 points. All right. And it's, uh, it's 70 or above to pass. So congratulations, Erica. 
you have uh, won the Vincent D'Onofrio Award for your argument uh, for uh, That Thing You Do from 1996. Thank you so much. Do you, uh, would you, if you, I'm now going to hand the metaphorical award to you. And uh, if you would like to give a brief speech and acceptance. Thank you guys. Um, I really just this week want to thank Tom Hanks um, and the beach band Captain Geach and the Shrimp Shack Shooters. Um, They've really been my motivation and uh, they've really got me out of bed every day this week uh, during this quarantine. So thanks, guys. Congratulations. Congratulations. Vincent D'Onofrio would be proud. I guess to review the current standing, we've only done two episodes. So currently standing, uh, I am currently at a 76. Uh, Erica, you're at a 71. And uh, Anthony is yet to uh, bring forward a movie to the table. Anthony's going to be doing the next one. All right, Anthony, so, you want to roll the die? I am ready to roll the die. So 1996 is now out with that last night. And the 1993 is out. So everything else is available. I'm going to roll. Let's see what we get. I got a zero. So I guess that would fall. Was that 1990 or would that be 2000? I think you've got your choice, Anthony. Yeah, I'm going to choose 2000. Okay. What are some movies that came out that year? We got Miss Congeniality. We have Castaway. We have X-Men. I could do Gladiator. Oh, my God. The Emperor's New Groove. Oh, it's mandatory, Emperor's New Groove. Requiem for a Dream, The Ladies' Man. Oh, there's a lot of options. Oh, oh, shit. I actually have it already. I'm ready already. Yeah, we're good to go. Okay. All right. right. Well, thank you so much for joining us this week. If you like the episode, give us a review on your favorite listening platforms. We're probably going to be on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, all that monkey business. Uh, Give us a review. Uh, If you hate it, please tell us. We want it. Want some constructive criticism. Uh, and oh, and if you have a performance that you'd like to uh, for us to watch that you think would be deserving of the illustrious Vincent D'Onofrio Award, uh, please send it to us via email, social media channels, or uh, you know, shout it from the balcony of your you know wherever you are because you can't meet us physically. Uh, but thank you again for listening, and we'll see you again next week. <laughs> <laughs>